Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writing excuses season 11 bonus episode one this is writing excuses characterization and differentiation with robin hobb 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart but robin hobb is i'm dan i'm howard and with us today Robin, thank you very much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Awesome. Could you take a minute just for like the one listener out there who doesn't know who you are and tell us a bit about yourself? I'm a fantasy novelist, um, probably best known for the Farseer trilogy, but there are now a number of books set in that world. Uh, I began my career also writing as Megan Lindholm. I still do short works under that name. And under that name, probably best known would be Wizard of the Pigeons, which was an urban fantasy. Cool. Awesome. Well, I am very excited to have you here. Actually, and in a very malicious way, I'm excited to have you here when Brandon's not, because you're one of his favorite authors. (laughs) (laughs) So, ha-ha, Brandon. Take that. So we want to talk about characterization today and differentiation, and we'll explain what we mean by that second half later. Uh, So let me start with just the really kind of wide-angle question. When you sit down to, to, to write a character... How do you make that character unique and interesting? I think that for many, many writers, characterization or character creation starts in a part of their mind that they don't have full conscious access to. Uh, Some writers start with a plot or a what if, and other writers start with a character that is going to be challenged in some way. I am very much a writer who starts first with a character. And uh, for me, that character steps out into the spotlight on the stage and announces themselves. And as I talk to the character or the character monologues, uh, the camera pulls back and the world falls into place around him or her. And the questions that you ask that character are, who are you? What, what formed you at the most basic level? What sort of a family did you grow up in? Um, what did your father and your mother do for a living? Um, are you in a small town? Are you in a large city? Uh, are you uh, wealthy? Are you poor? All of these details that fill in around the character build the world at the same time because the, the character has to be shaped by the world. I've had people who have told me, oh, you know, my friend wrote me into a story. And for me, that absolutely would not work. For me, the character has to be generated by the world. I don't think I could take a 21st century, any person, and believably insert them into a fantasy. Okay, so I, I, I think that's awesome, but it seems partly contradictory to me. And so I want to, I wanna, I wanna ask this and throw this back at you. You say that the, the character appears first and that the world fills in around them, but then also that the character is formed by the world. And in, so... 
How, how, how do those two justify together? Well, I think if you think about the people you know and you say, you know, why is Charlotte this way? Why is she so penny-pinching? I've always wondered that about and Charlotte. You, and you think, okay, well, well, Charlotte grew up in a family with a very tight budget, and so she always had to make choices. And so this has affected her personality not only in what she buys, but in who she chooses as friends. All, all choices are very important and very dire for her. And then you take Mark, who uh, spends money hand over fist, and you look at him, and it's, and it's actually not because he grew up wealthy, but because now he suddenly has money, and he can do all the things he wanted to do with it. So uh, when you generate that character, you have to look at them and say, believably, what is this character's past and environment? Um, and the two are kind of informing each other exactly, as, as exactly. you build them. Yeah, this morning, I was uh, sitting at breakfast next to a group of guys. We're at Gen Con. Um, yay, Gen Con! Woo! Fantastic! All right, sorry about that, Alex. Uh, <laughs> Alex is our post-processing engineer who had to make that not break your headphones. Um, I was at breakfast, and these four guys were talking about the games that they had been playing. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to them talk because it's fascinating, and they're obviously very informed as they're talking about these games in very technical terms, and I'm peering over the table to look at their badges to see if they're wearing exhibitor badges. And they're not. They've got four-day passes. And I think, oh, well, that's a lot of expertise for somebody who's just a fan. And so I asked, you know, are you guys here demoing games? Are you, are you here to play? You know, what, what brought you to Gen Con? And they said, nope, we are just, just board game fans. Mm -hmm. You know, hardcore board game fans. And that piece of information totally rebuilt my story of these people. Mm -hmm. At first I'd thought, oh, these are game designers. These are experts. These are people who are mm -hmm. industry savvy. No, these are people with racks and racks and racks of board games at home who play mm -hmm. them until they, are, until they are dead. And that is, that is two completely different stories mm -hmm. informed by one piece of information. Mm -hmm. The question I have for you, you said, you know, they, they step onto the stage and they begin their monologue. Is this something that you write in character generation, do you, do you start with the character voice and you're, as if you are asking them questions and they are talking to you? How do you, what's your process? Um, I write a tremendous amount of my work as first person because I think it's the natural storytelling voice. When, when you come home at the end of the day and your kid runs up to you and says, what did you do today? Or your kid comes home and you say, how was school? It's all, well, I went to school and this happened to me and that happened to me and and this is how I saw it. So to me, first person is a natural storytelling voice. So when I sit down with my character and I begin typing and the character is speaking in first person to me, um, things are unraveling. The, the world is, is, is being built entirely from that person's point of view. Just like I have a single camera and I'm walking through Gen Con and the camera never stops and I'm experiencing it completely from that single point of view, where I go and what I talk about and how I experience it is, is really building the character as you go along. You know, the, the, the choice I make if I go up the stairs or if I wait for the escalator or if I go left or I go right, all of those little choices are adding up the bits and pieces uh, of the character. Okay, but is that, uh, is that like, are you like discovery writing the beginning of the story or is this a pre-writing exercise to develop the character? Uh, I... I'm, I'm too lazy to pre-write. I jump right in and the story just starts 
I, I'm, I'm fine. Rolling. Look, I, I'm a cartoonist. I know from lazy. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so I've been walking around with a, a, a first line in my head, which is, um, I told you so, said the ghost. So that is my first line, and now I have my character's reaction to this. And... Uh, and, and and it just starts unfolding from there. And, and who are the who is the ghost and who is the character who's talking back and what is it I told you so about? And um, the story unfolds. So I, I think that for a lot of writers, a certain amount of it does happen in, in some back room in your brain that, you know, it's a do not enter door and then sometimes things come out of it. Awesome. It's not helpful to a new writer unless I say also, <laughs> trust yourself. And uh, so many new writers will say, well, um, they say, write what you know, and I don't know anything yet, so I'm going to have to go and climb a mountain before I can write about that. And the answer to that is that if you are 15 years old in the year 2016, you know more about being 15 years old in the year 2016 than any amount of research will ever teach me. And you know more about how your life is being affected by this really peculiar election season that we're going through. And you know many, many things that I that research will not teach me, no matter how thoroughly I research. So that's what they mean when they say, write what you know, write from your bones out. And it doesn't mean that you have to write about being in a public school in Indianapolis and you're 15 years old, but it does mean take that 15-year-old viewpoint and set it into whatever fantasy world you want and start writing from that viewpoint. And, and you'll do just fine. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Cool. Awesome. All right. So we, we want to pause here for our book of the week, and you're going to pitch one that I actually also love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please tell us about Hex. Uh, Hex is uh, written by a Dutch author whose name I'm about to slaughter, uh, Thomas Oldehuvelt. I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it like you would see it spelled out. And bookstores are probably putting it under H, even though it should be filed under O. You see, you might have to look in two <laughs> sections. Um This is his first book that has been translated from Dutch into English and published widely in the U.S., but previous to this, he has won, oh, a couple of words. He's Uh, he's a rock star over, yeah. I I met him uh, years ago at Elf Fantasy Fair in the Netherlands, where he had had a stall set up, and he had just produced the very first video book trailer that I had ever seen. And I was fascinated that somebody was using a... A video trailer to promote a book, and we got into a long conversation about that and what he had done. And um, Hex is a wonderful story. Um, in in the Dutch version, I believe it's it's set in the Netherlands. In the English version, he has set it in the U.S. and he went to a lot of trouble to make the changes believable. But basically, without doing too many spoilers, I will say, if you have a a, a very dark and fearsome witch that keeps manifesting in your town. And you can't, if you move away from the town, you've become seized with anxiety and you have to come back. 
How do small town politics deal with that? How do you adapt so that your, your tourist industry is not ruined? There are moments in this book which are horribly fearsome and, and other moments which are equally hilarious. So uh, that's the one I recommend. Awesome. Thank you very much. That is Hex by uh, Thomas Olda Huvelt. And uh, you can get it pretty much anywhere because it's exactly. awesome. Exactly. It's been selling very well. It's a good story. Okay, so now let's get to the second half of our topic, which is character differentiation. And what we mean by that, uh, you write uh, books that have many different characters in them. How, after we've made, you know, our one character unique and interesting, how do we make sure that the next character is different, is unique and interesting in a totally different way? Well, again, it's knowing the character's background. Um, if, If you have one character who is a farmer, and another character who comes from uh, a sailing ship background. The choice of vocabulary that they are going to use for things is going to be very different. Um, I'm, I'm married to a sailor. In our house, we have a galley, we have a head, we have a deck. Um, and I happen to have, like, a kitchen and a bathroom and a floor. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's all in the same house. It's very, you know, interesting that way. Mm-hmm. So um, with your characters, it's, it's a choice of vocabulary. It's a way of seeing things. Um, if you want to do a, a double check, read your dialogue. And can you tell by reading, uh, you know, not just a single line, like a three-word dialogue, but is, if there is a piece of dialogue and, and you read it, um, you should be able to tell who is talking without all the little clues like Joe said and Samantha replied. Uh, and if you can't tell... Who's, who's speaking, then maybe you need to do some tweaking on it. Yeah, in, in cartooning, uh, the, the analog to that is what we call the silhouette check. Mm-hmm. If you remove all of the interior lines and just block the characters out as shadows, if you can't tell Charlie Brown from Lucy, from Linus, from Snoopy, um, well, you can, because mm-hmm. Charles Schultz built those characters correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, I, I, I call that the silhouette test. Uh, if I strip them down just to a small bit of dialogue and can't tell them apart, I have a problem. There was a wonderful, uh, uh, you know, I, I read my comics every morning in my paper, Pearls Before Swine, in which he, he broke down his characters, taking various parts off until the silhouettes were all the same. And it was, it was very funny and uh, <laughs> very well done. So, um. so, so what are some of the, the tricks or tools that people can use in their dialogue to make sure everyone sounds... Different, and I'm and to add an extra layer of difficulty here. Rather than comparing the farmer and the sailor, mm-hmm. what if we have two farmers? How can we make sure that they don't talk the same way? Um, if you have two farmers, um, a lot of it's going to be based on attitude, and uh, and and even the the choice of sentence structure. Um, if you if you think about, um, I'm, I'm going to take the Lord of the Rings and think about how, how all the different characters in the Lord of the Rings. You can pretty much tell. If I, you know, if I could quote off the top of my head, you would be able to tell which character had said that. Mm-hmm. Um, some characters speak in longer sentences. Some speak in shorter sentences. Um, the use of slang. Uh, it, there's just a lot of ways to build yeah, that in. Yeah, and, and I, Lord of the Rings is a great one to bring up. E- even just looking at the hobbits, Sam mm-hmm. and Frodo grew up in the same town right next to each other, and they sound different. They sound Sam very different. Sam is much more rustic. He's much more uh, subservient in the way that he talks. Frodo is a little more educated. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that does come across in the way that they talk and the, the cadence of their sentences. Mm-hmm. Well, th- that's exactly it. And, and um, just those, uh, those verbal clues to your reader. And then, of course, you know, we can do a lot more than just dialogue when we're differentiating characters. There are going to be characters who are moody and they, they gesture wildly when they're speaking and they, they have shorter tempers. And there are characters who are calm and uh, don't move around as much when they're speaking. And uh, all those little clues yeah. that you are putting in the description. And if you're, if you're writing from the first person, if you are an assassin and you walk into the room and there's three people there, what he notices is going to be very different from the child character who runs in the room and is totally fixed on finding uh, the toy they left there earlier. And, and the big people standing around talking don't matter at all. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 uh, it's in everything you do, you put on that character like you put on a coat and you wear it. And, uh, and everything is from that character's point of view and from their value system. And if you're writing a villain, when you put on that coat, no matter how you feel about it personally, you could better share all of her opinions and all of her justifications and everything she feels about it and if she, you know, is, is paranoid or if she is righteously outraged about an old wrong, even if, uh, even if she's not your protagonist, even if she's the antagonist, from the time you put on her coat and you are wearing it, you have to be 100% on her side. And everything should be written from that viewpoint. Yeah, I th- I definitely. And, and I like what you said about attitude as well, character attitude, uh, because, you know, I, I think... Sometimes we just think of that first kind of occupational level. The assassin walked into the room. Well, she's going to be wondering, you know, how easy will it be to kill that person? Or, you know, which one do I have to kill first? But just attitude stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this assassin impetuous? Well, maybe, maybe, not, maybe not if they're a successful one. You know, is this person tend to be angry? Is this person, you know, what are their emotions and how is that going to change? Are they, are they very rushed when they do something? Do they take their time? And those more emotional cues are also going to change a lot of the way that they talk and interact. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and how they interact with the other characters. Um, um, how how a, a character treats a, a secondary character, a minor character. Um, you know, you take the, we're, we're in the inn and, and the serving boy is late coming. And how he, the person reacts to that uh, is, is, a, is a great way to build character. Uh, whether that's even noticed or whether you're annoyed because somebody else is yelling at the serving boy or whether you're embarrassed or whether you, you know, quietly tip the kid. All of that, you know, all of the, your, the secondary, the reaction shots mm-hmm. of this happens, how did my character react? Uh, the book that I just finished reading is Salt to the Sea by Ruta Cepedes, and it's brilliant. And she has four main characters, and each chapter has their name as the heading. And there are sometimes, in fact, one, one case where they literally just get one sentence each per chapter mm-hmm. because something big has happened and she gives a reaction shot of each one. This is how Florian sees it. This is how Joanna sees it. Uh, and it's really great to, to watch mm-hmm. those different characters react so differently. I would love to just talk with you for the rest of the evening because this has been wonderful, but I'm afraid we do need to end our episode. Uh, do you have a writing exercise you can give to our listeners? Well, uh, I think one of the things that's kind of fun to do is to pull some of your favorite books down from the shelf 
and look at the dialogue and, and purposely, you know, kind of train your eyes so you're not looking at the he said, she said. Or if you can find a long section where it's simply this person, that person, this person, that person. Can you tell in the middle of the book who is speaking? Um, and, and what were the tricks that were used to do that? Or Why isn't out, it working? Or pull out a section of your own dialogue and look at it and say, um, if I ran this all together in one paragraph, would the reader really be able to tell that somebody else was speaking the second part of it? Uh, just, just try it out and, and, and talk out loud. Uh, there are some things that are written in dialogue, and they just, when you try to actually say them, they don't work. And uh, there were some, some books that I really loved when I was a kid, and then I went to read them out loud to my own children, and I suddenly realized that the dialogue was just terrible. The story was great, but I could not make it sound like something somebody would believably say to someone else. So it's, it's, it's that was my try book it she out was loud. Reading, <laughs> She really enjoyed I Am Not a Serial Killer as a child. <laughs> she read it to her to children, children at night. At night. Yes. yes. Awesome. Well, Robin, thank you so much for being here. Um, this has been wonderful. Uh, thank you to our audience uh, and to everyone out listening. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.